please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio. And Jesse and I have had a fantastic week this week. We were uh, invited down to the South Chapter uh, meeting, one of the local chapter groups that have been going on. And I know we've talked about this before, and we've had a lot of the local chapter organizers on the show early on in, in the series and got to find out what they're doing and how many people. But this was a fantastic turnout this last Thursday. Um, it was 40-some people there, wasn't there? there I, th- I think there was almost 50. And it was it was really wonderful. They had the event catered. There was good food. There was good camaraderie. Dickie's Barbecue. A fantastic speaker. I, I was really blown away by their guest speaker. You were their guest speaker. Well, that would explain it, wouldn't it? You always yeah. blow yourself away. You're such a <laughs> narcissist. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if, if many people realize this, but, you know, aside from being a mild-mannered reporter by day, when, when there's trouble that happens, you, you can see me rip off my multicolored PJs I wear to the studio, and underneath is a suit, and I swing into action. Yeah, he's like some kind of weird superhero. So in, in um, doing my, my criminal defense work a long time ago, I picked up doing wills and trusts, and... Uh, the reason was I had I had a client one time who was a uh, class three dealer, and he had offered me instead of paying me in you know cash money, offered me a trade of goods, and lo and behold, I ended up in possession of a silencer. So you said he offered you trade of goods. Yeah. So do you know he, what I just thought of? What money can be used to for trade goods, for goods, goods and services? services. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old Homer. So <laughs> I, I I went over to, to get the silencer. He's like, okay, well, here's the way we do it. We we do a trust, and, and you just fill out the paperwork, and then we'll send it in, and you'll get it back. I was like, you do a trust? He's like, yeah, yeah, we do them all the time. I'm thinking, wait a minute. You're not a lawyer. This sounds kind of scary to me. So I was like, okay, well, let's see what he does. <clears throat> so I said, what info do you need? He's like, no, 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 I got everything I need. Don't worry. We'll just crank it all out and get ready and, and do it. I said, well, before you send it in, I want to look at the trust. He's like, okay, sure, sure, no problem. So a few days later, I go and get a look at the trust, and it was it was abhorrent. I mean, it wasn't even a trust. It wasn't really anything. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, that's trust. I was like, that's not a trust. Trust me. I know what a trust is, and that's not a trust. He's like, well, this is what we've been doing, and we've done this for Trust hundreds- me, that trust is not trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've done this for hundreds of people, and it works every time, and ATF doesn't reject it. I was like, well, it doesn't matter if ATF accepts it or not. It looks like ATF will accept if you write the word trust in crayon on a piece of lined notebook paper and send it in. But this is not a trust. So I went to the law library, and I went and got a good trust form, and then I sat down and figured out, because I had worked at ATF a long time ago, and I sat down and figured out what the trust needed to do so that it was specifically designed to handle NFA problems. And there are a lot of NFA problems out there if you decide to get into this. So I created my own trust form. And then started offering it to people at what I consider to be a reasonable price. I, I was charging, I think at the time, this was 10 years ago, I was charging something like 
60 Seven, seventy-five dollars <laughs> yeah. or hundred bucks. I thought, you know, well, you can go and buy Willmaker for forty bucks, or you can have my trust, which is specifically designed to answer some of the NFA issues for seventy-five hundred bucks. See, that's one of the things I want to discuss with you is like Willmaker, yeah, and we'll, how that works, and we'll, we'll get how you get yourself in trouble with it. Yeah, for sure. So. There, you know, I thought it was a reasonable price, and it wasn't a big deal, and everyone and everyone seemed to be happy with it. I was starting to pop these things out left and right, and it seemed like just wonderful. So <clears throat> we we get going down the road a little bit with this, and then I start to get some flap from other attorneys. I was like, "What what's the problem?" They're like, "Well, we hear you're doing trust for a hundred bucks." I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Well, we charge two thousand dollars for those." Oh, like so that's really? What that's what I've been saying. I've, I've been very, very honest with some people on Facebook, and you know, honesty doesn't get you brownie points, obviously. But when I said your your attorney, you may think he's like the bee's knees, but he's overcharging you. And they well, go, "It's my that, attorney." Blah 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 blah. It's not that you're being overcharged; it's just you're charging what they think they're worth. Now, to me, I want to see more people get involved with buying. National Firearms Act items. And I think I guess we should probably st- step back a minute. We're talking kind of over some people's heads because there may be people out there who don't know what an NFA item is or or why we are concerned. So let me interject here. When I first met Doug King, when he said NFA, I said, huh? Yes. Now I know what they are. And they are the class three restricted items that you have to buy a tax stamp to own. Right. And it's easier to purchase one of these items and own it with a trust because then you can leave it to a family member without them having to buy a second stamp. Well, what are these these restricted items? Oh, sawed-off shotguns and silencers or suppressors, also known as suppressors, along with some automatic weapons. And there's also a couple of other classes that don't come up so often. These are called any other weapon. These are guns that don't look like guns. Um, when I worked at ATF, there was a 22 caliber machine gun that was built into a briefcase. Oh, I saw a pair of high heels that were matching guns. The heels were matching guns the other day. Mm-hmm. I want. Uh-huh. It would be good for chapter meetings. It would be good for shooting somebody in the head if they tried to rob me. I'm like, hold on a second. My foot's itching. Bam! No. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a zombie movie where the girl had one leg and she used an M16 for her other artificial leg? I, I don't know. I don't watch that junk. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, there are these separate classes. You've got machine guns. You've got short-barreled, whether it's short-barreled rifle or short-barreled shotgun. You've got silencers slash suppressors, whichever you want to call them. And there's a lot of flack either way because it's not really silent, as I'm sure Jesse can tell you. Suppressors are not that quiet. Then you've got um, any other weapons. And so these are your main classes. Most people get involved in it because, not because they're out there purchasing $45,000 fully automatic Thompsons or or $20,000 AR M16s, but that they want to have an AR with an 11-inch barrel and a 7-inch long suppressor, which makes it an 18-inch long gun overall. But the suppressor needs a stamp, and the AR with a short barrel needs a stamp. And then when you made them up, you've got something that's decent for shooting hogs without having to wear hair protection, which is perfectly legal now in Georgia because we passed a bill last year that allowed hunting with suppressors. And now so the deer won't hear the bang. That's yeah, not exactly how that works, is it? That's not quite, yeah. not. It's more for the hunter to not have to hear the bang. 
But, you know, I've, so I have fired a firearm with a suppressor and I'm going to tell you, I heard a bang. So this thing on the movie where it goes, that's BS. Yeah. Well, they, they reduce, you know, some decibels. You know what the world's cheapest suppressor is? A coffee can. No, um, a set of hearing protection. I was gonna say I used to oil filter. I used to tease no. <laughs> tease people that in, in I bought a suppressor for five bucks and didn't have to pay a stamp for it and then pull out the earplugs. Oh. That's about that's about the level of muffle you get is what you know a decent set of hearing protection will give you a, a twenty or thirty decibel reduction in the sound of the noise. I, I don't know. I fired a Glock that had a suppressor attached and it put me into shock for a second. Yeah. I was like, well, I wasn't wearing any, any hearing protection either, but my ears started ringing and I, it kind of stunned me. So, yeah. That was when I first started shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're not, I mean, they're not silent. That was kind of the main point there. But if you wanted to you put a suppressor on a short-barreled AR, let's say that you're going to get a, a mid-range suppressor. It's going to run you about 500 bucks. You're going to pay $200 for the stamp. You want to get, you've got an AR already. You find a short-barreled upper for 400 bucks. You're going to pay $200 for the stamp. So you're, you've got about, you know, $1,500, $1,600 into the package, right? Right. So then you decide, well, let's go down to get my tax stamp. Right, we're gonna get all the paperwork done, and you go to your class three dealer and say, "Hey, this is what I want. Here, I picked it out. This is what we're gonna do. I need you for the suppressor. I'm ordering the upper on my own. I'm gonna go apply for the stamp." Two hundred dollars. So you, they hand you the the form that you have to fill out, and you start filling it out, and it says, "Okay." You have to have fingerprints done. All right, so you trudge over to the, your local sheriff's office and you get your fingerprints done and the card and all, and you attach it. And you keep reading through the form and it says, you have to have a letter from the chief law enforcement officer. And you go, well, what's that? And in most jurisdictions in it's Georgia... It's a sheriff, isn't it? It's a sheriff, uh, chief judge, or the district attorney. Although the district attorney and chief judge usually won't get involved in it. So it tends to just be the sheriff. We're coming up on a commercial break... No, we're not. not. Quite. Okay, we got about a minute. So, um, it's usually the sheriff, and so you're living downtown Fulton County, and so you march back over to the sheriff's office, and you say, "I'm purchasing a suppressor, and I need to have a letter of sign off from the chief law enforcement officer." And they say, "We don't do that. Just won't do it. We won't sign it. We won't give you one. We're not going to do it." So basically, you're at their mercy as to whether you get your class three item or not. Right. And if you if they don't sign off, you can't apply for it. What part of shall not be infringed do these people not get? Yeah, well, there's a lot there's a lot of issues there. Yeah, no kidding. So, <clears throat> what do you do? What do you do if you can't get a, a Clio sign off on your form? Well, you hire the, an attorney to sue them, or you do it with a class three. In a fake trust, right? Well, you can use a trust. You can use a corporation. You could use an LLC. You could use a lot of different venues because under um, federal law, trusts and corporations are people. Wow. So, so when, you, when you create a trust, you've just given birth. There's a new legal entity that exists. When you form an LLC, a new legal entity comes into being that is separate and apart from you. And I think a lot of people are kind of aware of what a corporation is, right? Right. A corporation is more than the members in it. It is its own entity that can be sued independently, that is liable for things independently, can even do criminal acts. We've seen this last year. Some big corporations admit to criminal acts. You know, There was a a peanut-producing corporation that admitted to some misdemeanor 
acts and that they had uh, contamination in their peanuts and the corporate officers should have known. We're, we're coming up on that commercial break, folks, so we'll be back in just a minute. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. We've been talking about, you know, what are NFA trusts and what do they do and why you would need one. And this was a topic that came up in the local chapter meeting. They had asked me to come down and speak. I I gave a presentation on it, and I I thought it was, you know, pretty good, and there was a lot of well-received. And the chapter meeting that Jess and I went to down in Valdosta had somebody else speak on NFA trusts. That's not true. Well, I did. Doug King... Our very own Doug King spoke at one of the chapter meetings. Like, he's done millions of times. The, like, one, in, the one that we went to in Valdosta. Oh, yeah, the one we went to at Valdosta. What at, was that guy's name? I don't remember, but he came and he spoke as well. So He was nice. This is a, a, a very big topic. A lot of people are interested in it, and you got to have a lawyer to, to really get you through it. And what we were discussing right before the break was how corporations. corporations can, you know, are separate entities, just like trusts are separate entities. And, uh, you know, there are corporations that, you know, can get sued civilly. You can sue, you know, the man manufacturer of the tires you sue firestone not the guy on the assembly line so i had a question right before we went to commercial break i didn't get to ask yes the peanut corporation got sued uh the peanut corporation was uh charged criminally criminally yeah. so did they find them and yep. get paid in peanuts no they got paid in cash so i was expecting you know like a, a, a smack on the wrist because that's what happens usually with big corporations is they get a a smack on the hand and then, you know, a, a tiny fine. So I figured. Yeah, what, wasn't it like J.P. Morgan that just got a tiny fine of like $30 billion? For J.P. Morgan, that is a tiny fine. <laughs> well, I I wish I could get some tiny fines like that. Into your pocket, and, not and, yeah. to pay them. Yeah. Gosh, if you get a $30 million fine, I don't know if our... If our $30 billion. $30 billion fine? Our marriage wouldn't survive that, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we're talking about trusts here and and what's necessary to make them. And, and I know that people get Willmaker and make trusts. Yes, and they And they, they make what's called a zombie trust. That's what I call it See, anyway. I get to hear Doug talk about these trusts all the time. Well, it drives me nuts because that's what happened to the first trust that that Class 3 dealer tried to give me. And basically, this is a trust in which you've left yourself as the beneficiary. So when you die, you're leaving it to you. Yeah. So Zombie U is going to come and, and take over your Class well, 3 even, item. Even worse is that you are not only the um, grantor, the person who is giving the money, the item, the whatever to the trust. You're also the beneficiary that's going to take the item after you die. But even worse than you're that. You're the oversight committee. You're the, you're the person who, you're the trustee. You're the person who guarantees that when you die, I'm going to come and make sure you get the property that you left yourself. Okay, so let's discuss this for a minute. What happens to these items that have a trust that's written up like this? They end up in... in um, well, there's eventually comes a time when you have... Somebody to, dies. Somebody dies. The grantor dies. And now it becomes irrevocable. Now the trust cannot be altered. And then it ends up in probate because there's no beneficiary. And the, trust, and the probate court says, well, it it's never, there's never been a trust here at all. It's not a trust. ATF then swoops in and says, oh, no trust. Well, then nobody owns it. And so it must be destroyed. So your item that would have been left to your son, wife, 
girlfriend's mother, whoever you decide to leave it to, yeah, is, you're, you're, is destroyed by the ATF. Your collection of 20 uh, Thompson submachine guns that are worth 50 grand apiece all melted down and destroyed. So there are some real consequences for doing a trust on your own and not getting the language right. And Willmaker will happily let you put in your name in every single field so that, woof, there you go. And you'd but say, we've got to remember what our grandmother told us and is that we can't take it with us. Yeah, for sure. Now, you say, well, shoot, I'm smart enough that I'm not going to make a simple mistake like that. Okay, that's fine. And you know what? Most people think that they are. And yet in 10 years of doing these suckers, I think I've had about four people fill out my questionnaire right. Yeah, when I go through the emails and help you do these trusts, I've noticed that I have to make a lot of phone calls to clients asking them questions because they don't. Even though the questionnaire is very cut and dry, they still don't seem to get the point. Well, the, I could have made the questionnaire in such a way that it explained everything to to a, a kind of a pedantic point where Only. they would get it. But I, this has also been kind of a cultural experiment because <laughs> I want to see if people could do it on their own. No, they because can't. If, if they could do it on their own, then I would be overcharging at 100 bucks. Because it would be, you would be better off just doing it yourself. Why do you need me at all? As long as I still keep getting 70, 80% of the, my, my questionnaires, which are a simple eight-question questionnaire back with errors and things not done right, I feel confident that I'm worth $150 at this point. I think so, yeah. As, much, as many of these things have I've, as I've had to go through and, and get the clients to correct them, I, I think it's totally worth the little bit. That you charge, considering you're charging peanuts. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, I, I've heard other lawyers. The, the rates have come down. When I first started, it was two grand for a trust. Now and I've I, heard people charge six hundred, six hundred, yeah. seven hundred. It seems to be the going now. You can get them online. You can have it done, kind of like like a online will maker, where you just send in the questions and it auto fills out the form. Uh, for around $200. I've seen 199trust.com or something like that. Yeah, you know, that's fine. But do you have an attorney who's actually looking at it and going over it is another question. And if I can save you 50 bucks by, you know, coming to me for a $150 trust over the online no attorney looks at it, why not? Right? Well, I mean, and, and you get the the hard copy and well, you print out your hard copy, but you get an electronic copy for Doug. King. Oh, that's another important aspect. Of so this. when you, if you have an electronic copy of your trust, then later if you have to go in and make additions, purchase new items, add items that you've just purchased with the trust to the trust, all you have to do is go in and make a small revision and, and print. We've seen we've seen other attorneys who say if you buy an, another item with the trust, you have to come back to me and pay me a couple hundred bucks to change what you need changed. I don't do that. I, I email the trust to people. They have an electronic copy that they can use. Now, the flip side of this is I know that some people in the past have taken my electronic copy and distributed it to other people without paying me for my intellectual property and using it. And, you know, that's kind of a risk that I've taken with this to be fair to the people who are fair and the people who want to steal I just, you know, kind of shake my head and figure if they're that hard up, maybe they don't really 
you know, what can you do? Well, they would have stolen it somewhere anyway, whether it was yours or someone else's. They weren't going to pay anybody for it. So, yeah. So, you know, there's there's a part of just being honest and being fair. But I think that it's more fair to give people an electronic copy of the trust so that they can make the they can use it to buy a hundred suppressors if they want. You know, one every year until they die. Well, there's also the thing back. of sometimes they need to change their beneficiary beneficiary. Say an unfortunate thing occurs and their son dies and well, so they that, decide to leave everything to their nephew they go that, and that i think that they should actually give me a call back for because that involves more than just printing out another trust with you the have name to, change. to change what do you do you have to file an update with the no there's no filing required in georgia but what happens is is that it's it's no longer just that same trust you if you printed out another one and just changed names and then had it notarized on a different day, then you would now create a second trust, not having the first one be changed. You have to do what's called an amendment to trust. Right. And there's a small piece of paperwork that gets inserted between the new trust and the old trust. Now, how much do you charge to do the amendment paperwork? Depending on, on what it is, it's usually like 50 or 75 bucks. So that's reasonable. The, half the price yeah, of, of a new trust. But it maintains you know continuity with the old trust. And keeps everything moving. Well, continuity so. is a very important thing when you're dealing with legal paperwork. And if you want to really make sure that this is inheritable, that's important too. Now, the other advantage of, of a trust or corporation, um, or specifically a trust, over purchasing it yourself is that if you purchased it yourself and left it in a, a will to a beneficiary, during the interim while you're dead... Nobody can have access to this thing. It has to be locked up and sealed, and no one can have access. Well, if no one has access, then how could you ever give it to a beneficiary later later on? Somebody has to have access to the safe. And that creates a legal kind of gray area, which could cause trouble at some point. But I don't think that it's going to be the sort of thing where people come after you, at least not now, unless they decide that this is a venue to get people to give up their NFA items in the future. And that could be dangerous. So this creates a, a cover gap for that situation. But it, when the beneficiary inherits at under current law, they don't have to pay a separate $200 tax with a trust. However, if it came from uh, an individual through a will, they would have to pay a separate tax. Because technically they inherited your stamp as well, right? Mm, well, technically they own the stamp, not you. Okay. Because they're the beneficiary. They own everything that's in the trust from the beginning. They own the stamp. The stamp is their stamp, not your stamp. We'll be right back, folks. We're talking about NFA trusts and why they're good for you. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. When we took our break, we were talking about some of the advantages of the trust. And, and what I had gotten to is that when you are... A beneficiary of a trust, you own the item from day one. So the tax stamp is really your tax stamp held in trust. And so when you take possession of it, you have to do a what's called a Form 5 to transfer the titled name from the trust to yourself. But that doesn't involve currently another $200 tax. So this is a way of saving some money in the long run. So the advantage, if you think about it, is 
when you buy a trust or buy an item individually, even if you're in a county where your chief law enforcement officer will sign off on it, you pay a $200 tax, and when your beneficiary or when you leave it in a will to a beneficiary, they would then take possession of it and pay a $200 tax. But if you use a trust, then you only pay a $200 tax once, you pay me $150, and you save $50 in the long run. So it's like a... Two hundred dollar, no, fifty dollar bonus at the end. Exactly. So, I mean, there are a lot of advantages to this, and you know, keeping chief law enforcement officers from calling your place of business. I've heard of that happening, even in you know somewhat civilized counties like Cobb. I've heard of the chief law enforcement officer calling your boss as a reference to see if you're trustworthy enough to own a suppressor or machine gun, which instantly lets your boss know what you're doing. Um, there's lots of implications here. So I think that it's, it's just a wise move. Now, remember at the beginning I said that not only are trusts people but corporations are people. You can also form an LLC or an S-Corp or possibly even a 501c3 to be able to purchase items like this. Now, the advantage of that over the trust has to do with you know the, the selling of stock and shares and being able to have more people play with it. When you own a NFA item individually, the only person who's supposed to have access or control of it is you. So if you're, you know, on vacation or something and you want some if someone calls you up and says, "You know, hey, it's your brother. I wanted to go to the range. Can I borrow your Uzi?" And you know, you'd have to say, "No, you can't because you're not allowed to have possession of it without me being there." But if he's one of the trustees, he can. Absolutely. And if you're in a coma, in the hospital somewhere, you know, you spend the next 30 years in a coma. Well, what's going to happen to your stuff? Well, you're not dead, and no one can take possession of it, so it just sits in a closet all that time. Whereas if you're, your son well, so and even your, that could be an issue because 30 years, you could lose your house. A lot of bad things can happen if you're in a coma for 30 years. What happens to all your property? Yeah. Well, if it's put in your mother's closet or your brother's closet, they don't have rights to that item it creates a, a legal issue in which they're they're guilty of a felony, right? Yeah. Well, let's let's go another step. Let's take the coma out of it. Let's say you're falsely accused of a crime and arrested, okay. and you you end up fighting this without being able to make bond, or you're put on a probation revocation uh, for something minor like digging a ditch around your house, and next thing you know, they throw you in jail for a year. These things do happen. And yeah, we'll, like Andrew Wordy's and the chickens. Yeah. Roswell Chicken Man. What happens to your stuff then? You know, your house gets foreclosed on. And, it blows up. And, and all your stuff, and you're in jail. What do you do? So you know, the, there's a lot of ways to prevent horrible things from happening by being allowed or giving other people the access and legally allowing them to do so. And a trust or a corporation would do that. So, I mean, there are a lot of advantages to this. And at 150 bucks a pop, I mean, it's not like it's the end of the world compared to the tax stamp you're paying to begin with. And since it's being able to be used over and over and over again for other purchases without having to incur extra fees, it's malleable. So if you decide to change beneficiaries or change trustees during your lifetime, uh, a very small fee to an attorney can get that fixed. 
it's it's a great way to be able to exercise your rights. And a lot of people don't realize that machine guns, suppressors, short barrels are perfectly legal in Georgia. Now, a lot of states out there, not so much. I mean, Minnesota doesn't allow suppressors, and I think Washington State doesn't allow machine guns, and there's and California doesn't allow you to live your life like you wish to. I mean, there's lots of places that have horrible restrictions on everything. New York has a horrible restriction on firearms. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're going to eventually see that all that stuff is moot. Well, big case laws bubbling around out there that things are going to be changing. D.C.'s ban, or you know, de facto ban was knocked down in Heller, and now they're challenging how they're doing things in D.C. about may issue and shall issue permits. And it's it's an exciting time to be in, in gun rights advocacy. And it's an exciting time to be able to get you know, a, a short barrel rifle or, or suppressor because they're not terribly expensive. I mean, you can build a short barreled AR-15 semi-automatic for around 600 bucks. I found a video on YouTube the other day. It was about how to build your own suppressor. Mm-hmm. And the, you, you can, still have to pay for a stamp for that, right? You still have to pay for a stamp, but you can manufacture your mm-hmm. own short barrel, your, your own suppressor, but you cannot manufacture your own machine gun. See, I don't think they should be allowed to regulate a suppressor because you can't fire a suppressor by itself. Yeah, that's but it's specifically named in the 1934 National Firearms Act as a firearm. So it is they, a firearm. Well, they're in, in that time, time era, they also outlawed alcohol and had to bring that back. There were a lot of legal mistakes if, made back then. If we pass a constitutional amendment, then they wouldn't be able to do it. And I think that maybe we should be pushing for more, like, like good Senator Rand Paul this last week, pushing for more. You know, I was kind of proud of Rand Paul. I don't know about him. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence about him still. Mm-hmm. But when he stood up with that filibuster and then just a few days later kept objecting to them every time they tried to bring it to a vote. I, I don't always kidnap C-SPAN 2, but when I do, people actually watch. That's probably the highest rating C-SPAN 2's ever had. Yeah, all seven people watching. It's not exactly the most watched television network on cable. Well, even even when they're not doing so well, they still are better than MSNBC. Ooh, MSNBC. Like, you can read out. NBC the, couldn't get any worse. Oh wait, Microsoft bought them. Let, let, let's read out of the phone book. There we go. That'll beat MSNBC's ratings right there. Oh, ever since they hired Wesley Crusher to do that one show, it was just gone downhill. Wesley Crusher to do one show. What are you talking about? There's there's a woman on MSNBC that looks vaguely like Will Wheaton. I think that's why he grew the beard actually, because he was tired of being mistaken for. Her. Oh, that's cruel. A little you're, bit. You're a little cruel, Doug. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, back to the the trust thing. So it, it's it's a very simple process. Um, I was doing these Thursday night at the chapter meeting, cranking them out left and right and center for people so that they could take them and get them emailed to themselves and and be able to get their their purchase moving right then. Uh, some people take you know weeks and weeks and weeks. When I'm in my busy season and I've got jury trials and radio shows and kids to take care of all at the same time, oh it, it might take two weeks to get back to you. But the people that take two months, I mean, that's just ridiculous. They're, they, these are not that hard once you know I, what you're doing. I usually, for you, crank five or six of these things out in a day. Yeah. So it's not like it's it's an all-day affair. So I don't understand these people that are taking two months because, I mean, a, a week or two, if you're backed up a little, mm-hmm. that should give you clear, able to clear all the ones you've got. Yeah, and you can, 
It's not that hard to, to review the document. I mean, it, it's a standard form for what I use. Is there's Sometimes you get somebody who needs something very specific. That costs more, off, obviously, when you have to make some changes to the documents because that takes more time to think through it. But it's not the kind of thing that, that's really brain surgery or rocket science here. We're just telling a court in the future that, hey, we bought something, but we really want someone else to own and it. And this is the best way to protect firearms if you have a gun-grabbing relative that's out to destroy your your firearms when you die. Yeah, there's a way to keep – you can make sure that you know if your estate is going to be handled by somebody who you don't want touching your guns or who is legally prohibited from touching guns or who you think might you know not – do your wishes with them and cause a huge fight, you can just move them into a trust and move ownership out and have someone else take care of that, and it never becomes an issue. And then the rest of the estate is just furniture and and household goods. Or your yachts and million-dollar bank accounts. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you you can use a trust... We talk about trust fund kids. You can have a trust that is only money. You can have a trust that's money and assets. So that's what I do because you have the trust is going to be making purchases. We're setting this up intending you it to You can also make. have a will that rolls things over into a trust, can't you? Yes, you can have a will that creates a trust upon your death. Uh, it's a very... It's complicated complicated thing, area yeah. of law when you get into the nuances of it. I have but, a friend whose mother and father were very well off. And they passed away last year, and their whole estate was to be sold, and all of that money rolled over into a trust for each of their adult children. Mm -hmm. When I say adult children, the youngest is like 43. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just give them. But then I guess the the dad, knowing his kids, knew that the kids were like wasteful. So he only wanted them to be able to access so much of it a month so they didn't just blow it and party it away. Yeah. So... Well, kudos, Dad. <laughs> and there's lots of ways to construct these things for estate and will planning that are much more involved. That's where you get into the $2,000 trust. I mean, when you're really doing multi-generational skipping, you're, you're cutting people out of an inheritance, you're doing really crazy stuff. Yeah, I can see dropping two, three grand on a trust at that point. And it'd be well worth the money if it's constructed properly. And I'm sure you've seen some really interesting skipping of relatives building trusts and wills, haven't you? Yeah, and it gets really complicated. I mean, you, you trusts have to uh, divest their property within 99 years of the, uh, the, the death of a named individual. It doesn't have to be the grantor. There's lots of really complicated, quirky legal things. But when you're, when you're making one just for the purpose of being able to purchase specific items and then have them be inherited by another person in a predetermined time. It's a simple document. It's something that's easy to crank out, and I think you know, 150 bucks is is all it takes me to do it. If it takes someone else, more more power to them, folks. We are coming up on another commercial break. When we come back, we'll have the good, the bad, and the ugly for this week, and contact info for Georgia Carey and how to become a member. We'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We're here in our last segment today, and I just want to take a moment to... We've been talking a lot about how to be able to purchase a, an SBR or an SBS or uh, a uh, suppressor or a machine gun. And 
Um, one of the things that irks me is that you can get a suppressor for you know between two hundred and seven hundred dollars. You can build an SBR for around five hundred dollars. You can just saw off a shotgun to make an SBS with a proper stamp for free, basically. But if you want to have a machine gun, you're going to lay out a minimum of four thousand dollars, and to have something nice, you're looking at twenty to fifty thousand dollars. So, Jesse, do you know? why machine guns cost so much more than everything else because of the 1986 machine gun ban they became very scarce after that because the government destroyed a lot of them well the government the the hughes amendment to the 1986 uh, fire owners protection act or fopa said that no new machine guns could be manufactured inside the united states in the u.s for for civilian purchase now, you can still make machine guns for the military or police, but you cannot make machine guns that can be owned by a civilian. So, poof. Suddenly, we had artificial scarcity. As their Machine guns are kind of like Beanie Babies. There's only so many of them out there. It's like uh, Girl Scout cookies. That's why we'll pay $6 a box for cookies once a year because there's artificial scarcity. Yep. And as as more machine guns get destroyed through neglect, through improper transfers, through all these problems that we've been there fewer and fewer every year. And it's just that's the way it's going to be. Even though we could be making them right now and making fantastic ones, but we can't because of this legislation. And this brings me back around to georgiacarry.org because legislation like that won't happen in Georgia because we have a gun rights group who's advocating on the Capitol who lets us know when they try to pass midnight amendments. And the the Hughes Amendment was passed by a voice, voice vote at midnight on the day before the bill passed. And then it was slid in under the radar and everyone was voting to protect firearms owners and they banned machine guns. And, and georgiacarry.org would make have, sure that this doesn't happen. They would have jumped in on the Georgia's legislature, flayed them, did an emergency email and phone calls out to their members and got a hundred people on the Capitol steps to protest what this horrible thing was done and keep it from, from going through. And we would make them accountable. There wouldn't be a voice vote. The people would have to go on the record who voted for this thing. So, I mean, it's it's a, a horrible example of how, uh, you know, a runaway committee can sabotage a good bill. But here we are, you know, we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of the Hughes Amendment and fewer and fewer and more expensive machine guns. If we could only have real voice back then, we would be in a much better place now. But imagine what we would be now if we didn't have groups like GeorgiaCarry.org fighting. You know, I'm really excited tomorrow. I'm going to interrupt you, interject here for a second. I'm really excited to, to see what's going on with that vote tomorrow with the um, American Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that thing come back in. Yeah. You know, Sunday's vote is the last opportunity. They've got eight hours to push it through or it's dead. I hope it does. Mm, it's, yeah, scary stuff. But you want to keep things from happening to your rights. You need to be involved in a group. The only group that's really doing anything in Georgia is georgiacarry.org, and you need to become a member. Easiest way to be a member, go to a gun show. There's always someone there willing to help you get signed up. Most local festivals. Go to the website, www.georgiacarry.org, and click join in the top left-hand corner. It's 20 bucks a year for an individual. You can get a lifetime membership for 500 which is a fantastic value overall. And with the lifetime membership, you get a hat and a sticker. And you get to meet with 
with people at the annual convention. There's uh, individual life member functions throughout mm-hmm. the year. It's a fantastic way to get more involved. Even if you're not a member, just go to a local chapter meeting like Jesse and I did this last week. It's a fantastic way to get involved. They're all the way across Facebook. You can look up georgiacarry.org, local chapters on Facebook, and get involved there. You also get to know some really awesome people. Really interesting people, if nothing else. And the other thing is, if you're listening to our broadcast from the georgiacarry.org radio page um, or on georgiacarry.org, contact a local station and get a local station to carry us so you can listen to us on the air. Email us at radio at georgiacarry.org. And, of course, you can always reach out to me at my page. I'm at kingslawoffice.net, Doug at kingslawoffice.net. If you want to send me an email, and my phone number is 678-485-9963 if you have a trust question, criminal defense question, or any other legal problem. So, Jesse, what's the good and the bad and the ugly this week? Well, the good is coming from Texas. And, of course, I am not a real fan of Chris Kyle, um, the American sniper. Not to say that he was a bad person. I just wasn't really um, into his book. You know, you either like it or you don't. Didn't Jesse Ventura beat him up, too? Oh, Jesse Ventura is a jerk. But anyway, um, it's not about him personally. It's just about his writing style that I didn't particularly enjoy. But anyway, I, I think that he fought hard for our company or for our country. Excuse me, company. Listen, and I think he deserves some recognition. Anyway, the Texas Senate has passed House Bill 1187, designating a segment of the U.S. Highway 280, it's 287 in Midlothian, Texas, as the Chris Kyle Memorial Highway. They passed the bill, and now it's waiting for the governor, Greg Abbott, to sign it before it'll make it into law. And Midlothian is 25 miles, like, southeast of Dallas. So that's the good. You know, we don't, it's not really crazy this week, but the bad is coming to us from Texas as well. And uh, there's a Texas student that's suing her college because they um, discriminated against her First Amendment rights. And basically in Houston on May 20th, um, a student from Blinn College, her name is Nicole Sanders, she filed a First Amendment lawsuit against the public institution near Houston after being told by an administrator back in February that she would need a special permission to display gun rights sign and collect signatures for a student group on campus. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, that's FIRE, assisted her in filing the federal lawsuit, and it's the 10th lawsuit they filed as part of their national Stand Up for Your Speech litigation project. Then our ugly is coming to us from um, New England, and it is not Hillary Clinton baby pictures. Wow. Have you ever seen Hillary Clinton baby pictures? No. Ugly. Anyway, um, on May 8th, Atlantic City, New Jersey, fifth grader Aaron Moody reached into his pocket to retrieve a late note from his mom. And a Nerf gun foam bullet fell out of his pocket. Now, if anybody's ever seen one of these bullets, they are foam. They're about three inches long, and they look nothing like a real bullet. It's I have, just I have a full auto belt fed Nerf gun that takes those those darts, and it's awesome. You can shoot them at at small stuffed animals, and it doesn't even phase them. It doesn't even knock them over. Okay, so that that's how much damage you can do with this thing. He didn't have the gun. He just had one little bullet. I love the smell of Nerf bullets in the morning. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, officials at the Atlantic City School District categorized the toy as a self-constructed weapon because somehow it got a toothpick slipped into a little hole inside of it. Now, you know, Georgia has just passed laws where our zero tolerance policies have common sense added into them now. 
to where we we judge everything on a case by case basis and just because it resembles a weapon doesn't mean it is a weapon and the principal is allowed to make the decision as whether law enforcement is involved or whatever no this little boy um in jersey has received a five day school suspension and a notation on his permanent record stating that he brought a makeshift weapon to school which is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous, and that's that's just and we can dealt, ruin his future over a toy. We've dealt with this here in Georgia through just the idiocy that comes from zero tolerance, zero thought school administrators that overreact, that think that every every piece of graffiti is a terrorist attack. I mean, I, I get so sick of this garbage. So the little boy explained to Fox News why he had stuck toothpicks in the Nerf bullets, uh-huh. and his explain, explanation, just like any fifth grader, so they would stick to the ground when he fired him. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He just wanted to make them stick in the ground, because you know these things won't stick to anything. They're, you can bounce off and fall to the ground, and nobody's even, like, out. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he just wanted to make them stick to the ground. Not a big deal. He was kind of turning into a little ground dart. Um, he's the little boy says they want me to like say that I did it on purpose that I put that in my pocket to hurt someone and, and he didn't you know, he's just a little kid and and it, it really frustrates me this is the ultimate argument for private school torment little kids you know I think that you know when you have a private school that you're paying for that the school feels more accountable to you because they are using you for revenue and on the other hand they're also there because they see this as high calling whereas i i don't know what goes on in public schools my my child my, my son not my children not both of them fortunately my son endured a couple of semesters in a public school one time and oh my goodness i was horrified they lost him way. they put him on a bus that he wasn't supposed to be on and they were completely irresponsible these are people that really don't care about your kid they're there to make their money and go well, home there there are some people who do i mean my friend bill stanley is is a paragon of virtue in the public school system He's a rarity but yeah, and I I just I'm sorry. I think that anything that you're getting for free, you're getting what you pay for. Folks, you are coming up to the end of the show. We enjoy having you here every week. I hope that you like listening to us. Again, reach out to your local station, radio at georgiacarry.org. You can email me, Doug at uh, kingslawoffice.net that's .net not .com anymore and of course my number is 678-485-9963 if you have any questions legal questions at all otherwise join Georgia Carey and we will see you all next week this has been georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King georgiacarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.